Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast, a multi-state tax solutions production. In this podcast, our goal is to help e-commerce sellers and their tax advisors keep up with the constantly changing world of sales tax. So let's get started. I'm your host, Andy Johnson, and I've got Dan Pizer with me. Hello, Dan. Hello, Andy. Dan is one of the country's foremost authorities in the world of e-commerce and my trusted assistant author on the AICPA course on multi-state income tax. Dan, how's it going? Going well over here, Andy. How's the weather in Dallas these days? Uh, temperamental and rainy at times. So I was looking in your window there, and I can't tell if it's raining. The traffic is moving, so it can't be raining too bad. I'll just wait till you get further up north. Okay. I, I guarantee you it's a parking lot. Okay, Dan. Um, so uh, you were telling me about this interesting uh, article that you just read about Walmart trying to tax a woman's gift card purchase. So let me share that article and you give us a synopsis of what this is all about. Oh, certainly, Andy. Um, and this, I found this to be very surprising because when normally when you think of Walmart, you think of a, a big, sophisticated Fortune 500 company with a small army of tax advisors and tax attorneys. And what basically happened is uh, a woman walked into Walmart to buy some gift cards for the the, uh, the holidays, and she had. Uh, she noticed that she was getting charged sales tax on the purchase of gift cards. And while this, uh, you, you may look at that and think, but you're, it's, you know, in this case, it was a Netflix gift card. Netflix subscriptions generally going to be taxable. But uh, with, with gift cards in, in just about every state, they are considered to be a store of value. The actual purchase of the gift card is not taxable. The tax instead gets applied whenever you use up the gift card. So the, the, the charge against the gift card for the Netflix subscription or whatever the, the card would be, that's where the tax would get applied. Exactly. So, in this case, so gift cards, if your client sells gift cards or buys gift cards, typically they do not collect tax on the sale of the gift card. Yeah, that's correct. The, if you were to collect tax on the sale of the gift card, since the state also gets it when the product is purchased, you'd, you'd essentially, the state would get taxed twice on the same transaction. And it would uh, it, it would cause a, a pyramiding, which is kind of the antithesis of most tax schemes. The, uh, the, the person in this article uh, protested and the, the, uh, the, the cashier at Walmart said, no, that's, that's correct. It has to be charged. And uh, that she actually ended up, uh, she was directed to the, Texas Comptroller, the agency that administers sales and use tax, amongst others, for the state of Texas. And the Comptroller, essentially, their position is, as long as Walmart's turning it in, they don't care. They don't so care. First she, went to, uh, she went to Target, and Target was doing it right. So somehow this lady knew whether gift cards are taxable, so kudos to her for catching that. Normally people would not catch them, but it is $270, so talking about $25 or so, somewhere in that range of sales tax. So it would have stuck out to her. Yeah. And 
uh, again, it's something you wouldn't expect a, a big retailer that gets audited. Uh, somebody like Walmart, there's an auditor in there every cycle, if not in some cases, two concurrent right. auditors on on dual cycles. So the, yeah, you can't clearly, chalk it up to just the um, the cashier, you know, a rogue cashier. I mean, they're just scanning in a UPC code, and the UPC code dictates whether they charge tax on it. And uh, yeah, that's that's a big mistake for sure. Yeah, and uh, they. And uh, as shown in the article, the uh, the Texas comptroller, they very much care if you undercharge the tax, but if you're overcharging and handing them too much taxes, well, no, they don't mind. It's on the, it, it's on the customer to go and uh, it's on the customer to go and, and try to file a refund with the, with the state comptroller, which is as anybody in the business will tell you is, is not as easy as filling out a simple form. Mm-hmm. A company like Walmart, also has to so they don't want to undercharge tax for sure but they also do not want to overcharge tax right not just because they don't want to overcharge their customers but what's their real concern well the real concern is while texas really may not care there are a few states out there where uh due to the state laws they not only do they 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 do care and there is there is a very real chance of the plaintiff's bars coming after them with uh, either just uh, something, the False Claims Act that we talked about in uh, New York last week, or or hitting them with deceptive trade practices, or any number of uh, litigative tools in the in the state arsenals. Uh, the Texas generally does does not allow those for for state tax issues, but there are some states that do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they have to worry about uh, potential class action lawsuits too. Exactly. Exactly. All I, right. I, so I <clears throat> she went to uh, the state of Texas, and this author followed up on that. It turns out that Texas records uh, support calls, and they were able to go back and listen to this call because this guy that's writing this article is not a sales tax person, Dave Lieber. Um, you know, we know that if a vendor charges sales tax and you and incorrectly, then if you were to complain about it to the state, the state really doesn't care. <laughs> now, they, they can't say it like that, and that's basically what the state eventually said to this Dave Lieber. Yeah, we'll do some training, and et cetera, but as far as the state is concerned, if a vendor over-collects sales tax, that's fine with them. Because if the vendor then came back later and said, hey, we did a review of all of our sales, of gift cards and we way overcharged sales tax. So we'd like to get a refund of that money. What would the state of any state say to them? Almost any state. What would they say to this, to Walmart in this case? Uh, what they, what the state would generally say is fine. Prove that you have refunded that money to each and, and every customer that, that you're requesting a refund for before we give you any money. Right. So you can't get that money back without first refunding it and proving that you refunded it to your customers. Has to do with unjust enrichment. The state is happy to be unjustly enriched, but they don't want vendors to be unjustly enriched. By the way, Dan, I was giving a a presentation last week at the uh, Avalara Crush show, and uh, one of the people in the group was a state 
government, former state government employee. She was really getting riled up at me uh, at some of the things I was saying. And I really wasn't being rough on the state. I just said, you know, you got to think about how the state thinks about these things. And she was just genuinely upset at me thinking I was uh, being disrespectful. And I wasn't. I'm just saying this is how they do it. And this is another example. If you overcharge your customer and you want to get that money back, the state will say, no, we're not giving you that money back unless you give it to your customer first. So anyway, Dan, this gives me uh, an idea about um, something that I think e-commerce sellers might see a lot of these days and probably more of in the future. And that is the sale of things like a, uh, a gift card, right? A gift card sometimes is a tangible item. You, know, you actually get a piece of plastic. But in, in most states, uh, in fact, every state that I can think of, nobody taxes that like the sale of a piece of tangible property. Because it's like you said, the real essence of that transaction is not the piece of plastic. It's not even the magnetic strip on the back because if you get a gift card that has nothing accrued on it, then it is of no value to you. The real essence of the transaction is the underlying store of value, like you said. So no states that I'm aware of tax the actual sale of the gift card, at least in the top 10 states that we always talk about. No state charge uh, taxes the the initial sale of that. Um, and it, it's an intangible, even though you get in uh, a tangible piece of property with it. I mean, I just bought a gift card for my mom for Mother's Day, and it was purely digital. There was no tangible property um, that she would get. She could download a um, her email. That's where it would show up in her email that she has credit However, and she could print it out as an email, I suppose, on a piece of paper or just show it on her phone. Knowing my mom, she would definitely print it out. But she did not get tangible property in this transaction. She only got a notice with a very nice Mother's Day message uh, that says, hey, you have some value in your account. And so she takes that evidence of that value, goes to the restaurant, and voila, she eats, you know, she gets a credit. So, Dan, how are these things actually taxed then? So my mom takes her, her email to the restaurant, and um, she presents her, her coupon. What tax-wise, sales tax-wise, what happens there? Well, when, when she goes and presents the coupon and the – uh, the the store or the the restaurant rings up the coupon or rings up the the uh, the meal that they will add the sales tax assuming that uh, and as most cases that meal would be taxable they would ring up the sales so let's tax. say she buys a thirty dollar meal all right and so the and she has a fifty dollar coupon or a, or a gift gift card so the thirty dollar meal has what $3 in tax and now up to 33. And so she presents her. So, so they bring her out the, the, um, the invoice or they call that a restaurant. The check. Yeah. <laughs> the bill. And 
So it says $33 on it. And maybe she adds $10 in a tip to it. So now it's a total of 43. Um, so she then gives the, the gift card for $50. And what ends up happening then? Well, at that point, the, the uh, point of sale system would ring up the, the, the meal with, with tax applied. And generally speaking, you're, you're talking about the $30, you'd, you'd see tax on the, the $3 tax on the $30 meal, uh, non, non-mandatory tips, those that are completely optional are usually not taxable. So you would see, you would see the, that whole, the, the $30 for the meal, the three for the, uh, the tax, and then the, 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 10 for the tip applied against that $50. And so the, the state would get the $3 tax because it's only, it'd be calculated just on the actual taxable portion of the meal. There's yeah. no way to know what's taxable until something's actually purchased. Exactly. So if she had taken that $50 gift certificate to like a grocery store and bought $30 worth of groceries, then it wouldn't have taxed it at all because groceries aren't taxable in Texas. And so um, you're right. It just depends on what she ends up buying with that $50 gift certificate as to whether or not taxes is actually imposed from the point of sale system. It really doesn't matter the method of payment. It's what item are they selling? Is it taxable? If so, what's the rate? So we talked about uh, prepared food at a restaurant is taxable. Optional tips are not typically taxable, so no tax was applied there. And she's, she remains with $7 on her uh, that's attributable to that gift certificate that she can use in the future. Exactly. All right, so that's that. Uh, now that makes me want to explore, Dan, a, the taxability of digital products in general. So I have here a handy chart from um, CCH that I want to share. And so I'd be interested to go over this. Um, we will have a fancier version of this chart to, uh, to attach in our show notes. Um, but here are the top 10 states population-wise and how they treat digital products. Um, so California, Florida... Georgia, Illinois, Michigan, New York, all just so happens uh, that those six do not tax digital products per CCH. I'm going to get into a little more detail later, but uh, on the other hand, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Texas do tax them. So the devil is always in the details, right, Dan? Always. So, Dan, um, I did some further research just into some more detailed looks at what could be considered digital products. And we know that uh, the Streamline Sales and Use Tax Agreement created some categories. So the SSUTA, of which some states are members and many states are not, nonetheless created some categories, trying to, trying to make things uniform, uh, trying to ease the burden of sales and use tax compliance, created some definitions. 
So the, um, the SSUTA said there are these categories. You have digital audio visual works. You have digital audio works, digital books or eBooks. And other than those things, digital products. So I just wanted to point out some things that's a much more granular look at whether or not states tax these things than just an overall category of digital products. So for example, we said that Florida says that digital products are exempt. But Dan, um, do you realize, and I'm sure you do that in Florida, it has to do with the whether or not the rights to those digital works are temporary or permanent. Uh, I did not know that, Andy. Dan, I have never asked you a question that you did not know already. So the, the first time for everything. Very good. So, uh, yes, as it turns out, Florida and, uh, excuse me, Florida says that digital audiovisual works are exempt as long as you get them permanently. When you buy it, you get rights to use them permanently. It's not just a temporary use. Same with digital audio works. Uh, no distinction on digital books, though. So uh, I'm not sure how that came to be that there was a distinction that way. But it is interesting because you look at Florida and uh, it just says exempt for all digital products. And, of course, there's lots of digital products. Like, like I mentioned, those categories. But also we talked about game cards or gift cards and game cards are the same thing. So if you are a gamer, Dan, uh, and you wanted to uh, transact virtual business inside of your game, I'm not a gamer. So I'm speaking, maybe Dan, you can help us out a little bit. You're, you're more in that generation. But if you wanted to uh, send in actual money so that you have game currency, then that you do that by buying a game card. And game cards aren't taxable in any of It's a digital product, just like we mentioned with gift, gift cards. And in these top 10 states, no state taxes the actual purchase of a game card. But what I thought was interesting is that in some of these states, take Illinois is probably the most interesting. So the way you redeem game cards, and maybe you can clarify this, apparently is... So you send in uh, actual money, right? They debit your account and you send in $50 and they give you now a game card. And in this game, you, you want to advance to a level without quote unquote earning it. You know, you don't want to take so much time to beat a given level or you want a special weapon, you know, a special sword or something. So you can take your, the $50, right? And they get, you buy a game card, no tax there. But if you then convert that into a sword, extra power, extra powerful sword, um, in Illinois, which doesn't tax any other type of digital products, Illinois says that conversion is taxable. How about that? Uh, to, me, that's, to me, that sounds like uh, somebody in somebody at the Department of Revenue was uh, was reading the news right around the time that uh, the World of Warcraft started getting big and thought, now how can I cash in on this? And uh, came up with 
uh, it somehow came up with a way to, to get at it. Uh, that's, that, that definitely sounds like a trap for the unwary and, uh, something that's, and, and that's the re that very much the reason that, uh, you really have to, with these digital goods, you really have to look very carefully at what exactly the, not only what, what does the statute say, what the, what do the regulations say, but also what did the, uh, what pronouncements have the Department of Revenue put out on it? Uh, mm-hmm. Even because even if the the Department of Revenue is completely wrong or they're off base, that tells you how they see it, and that's at least what you're. That's the starting point from which you're going to have to fight them or or try or acquiesce and and set your tax affairs accordingly. You know, the other complicating factor in here is. What state laws apply? We know in when it comes to selling tangible tangible property that it's the state where you make the delivery. And it's it's generally speaking easy to know where you actually make delivery of a tangible good. But how do you know what state law applies for digital goods? Well, off the top of my head, if I had to uh, based, I would say it's usually what with these kinds of cases, the state usually goes with what's the best information you've got on file. If you know, if you happen to know the uh, the person's address definitively, uh, then then you can work with that. Uh, it's it's rarely going to be the the state they the, the location they bought the card at, but it'll be whatever with typically the most of these online accounts have to have some kind of a billing address. And that's generally, I would assume what they use for these. Well, that's ultimately how it has to default. If you happen to know where the digital delivery actually occurred and it was to a purchaser in a given state that taxes that item, uh, then you would go with that. So you're right. It does go with uh, based on what's your best information you have. uh, But in most cases, it ends up being the billing address of the person whose credit card generated the digital good, right? Which right. may not have nothing to do. You may have a billing address in in my in Wyoming for some reason, right? But you live and work in California, which you probably wouldn't want to do that because California exempts all these things. Uh, let me give you another example. New York exempts just about every type of digital product. However, they tax redemption of virtual currency for something that is like a sword, right? In contrast, Ohio taxes just about every type of digital good, but exempts redemptions of virtual currency. Isn't that weird? That's very weird, and and I think what a lot of that is uh, is is these state agencies, as I mentioned earlier, they're they're trying to apply laws that were were not written for the gaming age, for the digital age. You know, most of these statutes were were written back in the I wouldn't say the horse and buggy age necessarily, but let's say the mail order catalog age, and uh, sometimes earlier, and they're having to find, to apply them to figure out how to apply them to all these new goods. And uh, you, every time uh, one of every time Amazon comes out with something new, or uh, or Blizzard comes out with the newest thing, you can't have 
the you can't have people rushing to the state house to go start amending the tax laws or or to issue a new regulation both both are very time consuming they have a very deliberate process and a lot of cases quite frankly the legislators have better things to do so the state taxing authorities in many cases are are trying to are left with with a not a great set of tools trying to figure out what to do with them and then and for you know for all that uh that that uh, we we may say about them a lot of times they're doing the best they can with what they've got yep yep agreed agreed all right so in the world of e-commerce sellers um if you are selling digital products or buying them hopefully this chart will help you at least in the top 10 states where most of your transactions probably occur so Dan, thank you very much. That concludes our episode this week for Ecom Sellers, Sales Tax, uh, Digital Goods. My pleasure, Andy, and uh, I hope your mom enjoys that certificate. <laughs> Me too. She figures out how to use it. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. See you next week. All right. Thank you, Andy.